Hey there, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. You're listening to last week's episode. If you want to listen to this week's episode, then become a patron by visiting my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash LLLpodcast, where patrons can get day one access to new content, show merchandise, and a bunch of other fun things. If you can't become a patron today, there are still plenty of other ways to support the show. Wherever you're listening, make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating and a review. Reviews and ratings add up and can help the show gain more visibility. If you become a patron, like our new patrons, Linda and Michael John McLean, I'll give you a special shout-out on the show and in the show notes. And to become a patron, again, visit www.patreon.com slash LLLpodcast. That's triple L podcast. My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Hey there, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. My name is Jake McLean. I am your host. With me today, live and in person, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, my uncle, Mike McLean. Uncle Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I gave you a call literally out of the blue. Uh, and invited you uh, to the show, and then you're like, yeah, let's make it happen. Uh, I was like, cool, see you Friday. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I just got a tour of my uncle's still recently new house. Uh, just a badass house, so uh, major props. <laughs> Thanks. So it's A lot of work, but yeah. well worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go ahead and just kind of jump in and get started, and we'll see just kind of where the conversation takes us. Uh, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, 46 years old, getting ready to turn 47 here in July. Um, I'm a union carpenter. I've uh, been doing that for, this is my 26th year, I guess, as uh, hobbies. Uh, I like to work. Yeah. Um, like you said, I bought this house, uh, had a lot of work to do to it. Uh, we put a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort and a little time uh, frame to mm-hmm. get moved in. Uh, we had a move-in date, and we wanted to stick to it. We missed it by a few days, but uh, we wanted to be in by Thanksgiving, um, and we didn't make it. We moved in that weekend afterwards, but uh, we uh, did a lot of sh- shit ton of work in a little bit of time. But, man, yeah. i tell you what, this house is really coming together. We still got a lot of work to do, but... Uh, it's been fun. It's It's been since, I'm going to say October, I've been working on this house every day and I find a new project and it feels, it feels my day. I love it. I mean, yeah. I, I can come home from a 10 hour day of working um, and still come home and want to do something. Yeah. I think uh, my wife teases me right now about uh, my tractor. I bought a lawn tractor for this property because it's got a bigger yard and I bought a kind of a big mower and uh, I'm always on it. I'm either hauling dirt, mulch or whatever. And she's always teasing me saying, you're always on that damn tractor. And I'm like, I've always wanted one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she said, you're like a farmer. So just, uh, if you had more room, uh, just riding out to go get the mail and uh, (laughs) I'm not that bad yet. Not that bad yet, but uh, I might start cutting the neighbor's grass. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, and I thought it was funny, uh, when we were talking earlier about, uh, the neighbors, uh, you're still, uh, kind of getting to know them and whatnot. Uh, because I can just imagine just like someone's having like a barbecue. It's like, all right, I could walk. But then what if I have to use a bathroom and I go home? Might as well take the tractor. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, you're also, in addition to having a couple of kids, you also have a grandkid now. Yes, I have a three-year-old granddaughter. Yeah. So uh, tell me, okay, so Union Carpenter, uh, you've been doing that uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, was that uh, kind of always the path that you wanted to go down? Yeah, it was... Uh... It was the thing that I really wanted to do. A lot of people don't know what they want to do when they're young. Um, I had, uh, well, our Uncle Dan, uh, Finley. Mm-hmm. It was really weird because we didn't see him a lot, lot when we were little kids. But once in a while, Aunt Jackie and Uncle Dan would babysit us when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And we used to love going there because Uncle Dan would let us use his machines. And he would we'd make small projects. And I tell you, we only did it a few times. 
and he, you know, he would actually run the machines, but we would make little wood, whatever. He had scrap lumber there, mm-hmm. and I loved it, man. And I was like, I want to be a carpenter. Well, little did I know, being a carpenter and being a wood craftsman is a whole lot different. Right. It's not as cool to make furniture. <laughs> oh, I mean, but yes, I. That's a kind of a joke, but uh, I, I I did really want to be a carpenter. Uh, my dad was an electrician by trade. Um, he was in a shop, but I loved the fact of seeing construction workers when I was a little kid, yeah. um, being dirty out in the mud, making things. Yeah. And uh, it was what I wanted to do. It took me quite a while to get my apprenticeship. I didn't walk into it right after high school. Mm. Um, I met a guy that was a contractor. He made the mistake of giving me his phone number and... I called this guy, and this is no lie. And I'm telling you listeners, if you're young and you're wanting something bad enough, I wanted this. Yeah. And I knew nobody in the trade to get a job, nobody to give me the juice to say, hey, uh, give this kid a break. Knew nobody. Yeah. And I bugged this guy for two years after I graduated high school. I called him twice a month for two years. And finally he said, Mike, I'm going to give you your apprenticeship. And when I went in for to do paperwork, um, his wife was the secretary, and she goes, I feel like I almost know you really well because I've talked to you so much. So, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so, what have been uh, as you kind of think back over your career? What are some of like the kind of the highlight moments for you uh, in your work as a carpenter? Highlight moments, I would say, um, moving up the ladder. You know, I mean, I put a lot of time. The first company I worked for. Uh, was the guy that gave me my shot. And I didn't stay there very long. Um, I was only there about eight months. And I was really crushed. And, I mean, highlight moments, and then you got to have your crushing moments. And yeah, it, yeah. it was disappointing to me. I'd never been laid off, never been out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the highlight moments was when I got to another place. And um, I worked for a contractor from out of town at first, worked there for several months. Uh, the union hall helped me find a job. Then I went to... Uh, a local company. And that was my highlight moment there, because one of them, because these guys hired me and I stayed there for 18 years. And in the union trades, when you're a union tradesman, you're, you can switch companies, your wages and all your benefits don't change. You can switch, you get tired of working for somebody, you get laid off, you go work for the other guy, whoever's got to work. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough to stay 18 years with the same company before um, I decided to uh, make a, a move yeah. and uh, that was because work slowed down and I was getting laid off so um, but God highlight moments man building things yeah. I mean when you stand back and nowadays I have you have a phone so you can take pictures of before and after and really look at it and um, man when you drive around town and it's it's crazy because I don't actually build it completely by myself and my kids think I do you know dad you yeah. built that you yeah. know and and it's funny because I'm not the only one. I got friends that are carpenters that tell yeah. their families, hey, I built that. You know, and, and it's it's a cool feeling and it's satisfying to be able to drive around in your town and say, I had a part of that. I had a part of that. And especially some of the monumental stuff, you know, like oh, yeah. the mark. Of the, well, it's not the mark. The Tax Slayer Center yeah. in Moline. I, I did some work on that, you know, and some of these big things that you work on that you see or you'll see them change through the years. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've gone through buildings where 15 years ago. I actually worked on that when they originally put that building together. Now they're revamping it into something else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a good feeling. And, and it is kind of satisfying to hear somebody say, Hey, didn't you work on that? Or, Hey man, that building come out really good. Yeah. And, you know, being moving up into uh, like a foreman position, um, it's more, it's not like a super big promotion in the union. It's just, you're basically, you get a little bit more money to babysit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is babysitting. You know, you're in charge of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's one of my moments, a highlight moment there, I would say. You know, um, switching companies was a little scary. And them allowing me to show them what I could do. And then them right away, within four months, putting me in that position of leadership was, yeah. was big. And, you know, you, you don't realize after how many years you've done something that, not to toot my own horn, but you get good at it. You know, I mean, eventually when you do something for so long and you have a passion for it and you enjoy it, you start getting good at it, but you don't recognize it. You know, I mean, I'm not the type to gloat and say, gosh, I'm the best. You know, I'm not, but damn, you get good at it. And and it's, it's a cool feeling to step back and uh, not have to worry. Like when I was coming through the ranks, it's like, 
I was terrified. Man, yeah. I was terrified. Like, God, did I do that right? Yeah. Did I do it right? Uh, or checking the print, making sure that the measurements are all there. And I don't even second guess anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, there's days where sometimes you want to look back to make sure you didn't screw something up before you build it or right. have the other guys build it. But, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's crazy it, it, to see some of the things and look back, you know, and, uh, yeah. in, you know, see guys. I've seen a couple guys that brought me through the the apprenticeship program mm-hmm. um one guy was he was the poor first guy that ever had me doing uh interior systems so i didn't know crap mm-hmm. i was a first year apprentice green and this guy like said hey why don't you go over there by yourself and he showed me how to use my knife to cut drywall and he like says i want you to make 30 of these pieces this big and he gave me a dimension and i'm thinking oh he's giving me a project no, that was just a practice because I sucked really bad. <laughs> and I, I ran into him at, a, um, it was like a Happy Joe's or something. He was at somebody's birthday party and so was I. And I just happened to see him and he's retired now. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, do you remember me? He goes, I don't remember your name, but I remember, you You know, you worked for me at one time. And I told him and he was like, oh, I remember you now. And I said, you remember how bad I sucked when I first started? <laughs> and he just laughed. He goes, well, we all get started somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, but I was... I don't know. I almost feel bad for the guy. You yeah. Know, but, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I just uh, <laughs> think you get a project and you're just <laughs> honing the skill. But yeah, you know, you mentioned the, uh, you know, getting good at your your trade and uh, things like that. It's all about the kind of the mastery of your craft and having the opportunity to get when you love what you do, it's easier to do. It is. Yeah. It is. Because you see people that hate their jobs. Man, pick a job you like. Right. Because it's so rough. I, I see people and I feel sorry for them. I mean, you'll you'll go to a, you know, a restaurant or something. You'll see somebody just pissy and it just likes to hate life. And it's like, believe me, I don't go singing zippity-doo-dah every day at work. Right. I have my days. There's days where I second guess what I do when I'm ass deep in mud and it's 32 below and I'm freezing my butt off. Yeah. There's days where I wish I would have picked something else and sit in an office, but I don't know, man. I don't know if I would change it because I mean, you've got to love what you do. I mean, my body hurts, my elbows, my shoulders. I mean, everything hurts from the, you know, it's, it's not hard ass work, but it's physical, Yeah, you know, and it takes a toll on your body. Repetitious work, you know, it does eventually after as many years as I've done it, but man, I don't think I would ever change it, Jake. Yeah. I mean, I always try to get young people in and say, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing after high school? And, oh, I'm going to college. Well, what are you going to do in college? And they don't know. They don't know what they're going to major in. I'm like, hell, get an apprenticeship. I said, they're giving them away. We can't get enough. We cannot get enough young people to take trades, to take over the trades. Um, our trades our trades people are hurting bad. We we need welders. We need iron workers. Uh, we need electricians, carpenters, plumbers. They're the pipe fitters. Everybody's hurting for people and they pay good money. I mean, Mm. I've made a pretty good living. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, but I've made a decent living off of what I do. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is, is having a trade, you can always do side work. Oh yeah. And if you want to do side work, I mean, when I was younger, I used to just love that extra money. I mean, it takes away from family time, but man, when you, when you need it, you know, your family has to understand you got to go make the money. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take it anywhere you want and the one thing is is nobody can take it away from you yeah once you right. get that skill i you know any other job they can take your job away from you and you might have to retrain the kind of stuff i do um you don't you know nobody can steal that from you your no. knowledge of knowing something is they can't take it from you yeah that's right so i want to talk about the uh place you stayed at uh 18 years because uh, i know you love the work uh but what was it about the company that um what was it about the company that made you stay that long? Well, when I first started, uh, the owner of the company that hired me, um, he was a great dude. I mean, he was a hard ass, but he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he recognized hard work. Um, it wasn't like he threw money at you because you had to earn it. And there was no way he was giving you any more than he had to. But he would recognize a hard worker when he seen one. And I busted my ass when I, I started for him. I always have. You know, it's just a work ethic I have. And he always gave me different things to do other than what 
normal people did at the company I worked for. A lot of guys are stuck doing one thing. He told me when I hired in, he says, I want you to do a little bit of everything that we do with this company. I want you to be the swing guy that gets to do, you know, ceiling work or hang drywall or frame, uh, do a little bit of everything we do. And I was excited. I was like, man, this is cool. I'll be able to learn everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he did, he sucked his word. I did a little bit of everything. Um, you know, any place you work, there's like clicks, you know, like certain people hang with certain people. Mm -hmm. I didn't really fit in. Never really have, but <laughs> I mean, I didn't fit in with the certain, you know, the guys that did this work or the guys that did that work. I, I kind of hung out with my own, did my own thing, just went to work. Um, so I, I didn't really have a bunch of really close friends there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was important to me because friends are important, but work is work to me. So I don't like to mix personal life with the professional with stuff. profession because mm -hmm. it could be some disappointing moments, you know, and yeah. um, I stayed out of a lot of the bull crap because not having many, you know, acquaintances work, you know, I mean, I was, we were nice. We all got along. I didn't go drinking beer and hanging out with these guys after work. You know, that's, that's the thing I didn't do, but um, the company was great. Uh, they were good to me. They always kept me working. 16 out of the 18 years, I'd never seen an unemployment check. And that's unheard of Yeah. in the construction trade. Mm -hmm. um, I even had the woman at unemployment when I first filed go. Uh, she was kind of, well, everybody knows that's been on unemployment. If you've been on, to unemployment, that they're not the very nicest people there. Anymore, you do it all online. But, man, back then, it was like they were pretty crappy until the lady realized that I'd never been on unemployment and why. And she was like, I can't believe you've never collected unemployment being in construction. And at that moment, I knew, man, I must be doing something right because all these poor bastards are, you know, laid off or collecting a lot of unemployment, and I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. um, they kept me busy. Um, I think the thing that made me leave um, was the fact that new ownership took over. I didn't fit in with the new ownership. The guy that took over as our project manager out of the office, uh, him and I always butted heads in the field. Um, didn't ever see eye to eye. And... Uh, a lot of micromanaging started going on. He mm. had to fluff his feathers to show everybody he was the man in charge, and I didn't uh, take well to it. I mean, I don't mind a guy telling me what to do, but, I mean, when you are told exactly how you're going to do something when you have a little bit more experience than the guy, it kind of tends to it upset you. Yeah. I mean, I accepted it because it was my boss, and I had no problem with him being my boss, but I was getting treated pretty crappy from what I had been treated before. Yeah. And after a while, it starts to affect morale. Yeah, and I'll be honest. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was, my attitude went to crap. I mean, I was pissy. I didn't really enjoy working more. And I love my job, and I started hating my job. And it didn't, I didn't not give them their eight hours. I just wouldn't give them any extra. Mm. And that really affected them because they noticed that. I think when you're, when you do hard work and you always are there for them, um, the guy that screws off all the time gets away with it because they're used to that. But when a guy don't do it very often or doesn't do it at all and starts doing it, that's when somebody like that's like, hey, what's wrong with this guy? What's his problem? Um, I think the guy that I was working for at the time, him and I should have sat down and had a sit down and said, hey, what's going on? You've been here a long time. You know, why is this attitude like it was? It didn't come to that. It came to, hey, Mike, you're laid off. And they had guys working that were less seniority than me. And I was like, I seen the writing on the wall. Um, it was a hard move when I left because yeah. I really enjoyed working for the company, but yeah. the old company, the original owners that I went to. Yeah. And uh, when I left, I, um, I sat around for a little bit. I went to another place just to work temporarily. Uh, being in the union, you can go anywhere you want. So I helped this other company out, put some uh, cabinets in a building we had just built and I got lucky and ran into a guy at some training. The union has training. So when you're laid off, you go to training, get paid to go to training. And uh, he says, hey, man, we're hiring. And I went to Allied Construction that I'm working for now and uh, been there since. I've been there eight years now and straight eight years, never a day off. So it's another good run. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We'll see how long it lasts, man. Yeah. McLean's always have a way of uh, getting uh, – getting lucky streaks so yeah well i mean i tell you what i mean it's not just a, a lucky streak i think it's a blessing you know i Absolutely. mean it, it's you got to feel blessed sometimes i mean you got to thank the guy upstairs i'm not super religious but i really do i mean i 
I have uh, certain people in my life that remind me of that, and I need to be reminded because I don't always, uh, I don't always look at it that way. I'm always like, well, I'm the one that got out for work, but uh, man upstairs is the ones that uh, I think provides a lot of that stuff for us. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, uh, I want to transition uh, from work. Uh, so, when I was driving uh, down here, um, I was trying to think about um, what kind of questions I'd ask family-wise. Uh, but then I realized that while I know I know you, I don't know maybe a lot about you. Uh, and so I think the easiest way to do that is if you took us all the way back. Uh, so like childhood Mike McLean growing up, uh, kind of walk us through, uh, give us a timeline. All right. Well, I guess uh, earliest I can remember is probably around, I don't know, how old are you in second grade? Uh, like maybe like eight, seven, eight, seven, eight, eight years old. Yeah. I remember going to Catholic school. Um, my mom was big on us going to Catholic school. So we went to St. Mary's in East Moline. Um, my first year, I did go to a school called Bullsburg. It was a public school. It was yeah. right across the street from our house. Being the baby of the family, um, I have two brothers. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, my, yeah. your dad, Dan, and Joe, yeah. uh, our oldest brother. Um, I was the baby of the family, and my mom was very, very like protective of me being the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. Don't know why it was that extreme with me. Um she liked it that the fact that I was just right across the street going to school. And I believe that was kindergarten and uh, first grade. And after that, then she transferred me to Catholic school when I got a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I felt I was the fortunate one out of the three of us because I talked her out of letting me go to a public school for seventh and eighth grade, which was a hard task to do, but she allowed me to. Mm-hmm. Um, Catholic school to me was, uh, it was a little harder, the curriculum. I wasn't always the brightest bulb in schoolwork. I always struggled, so uh, uh, mom had me going to a tutor at one time, and the tutor actually talked her into letting me go to public school, which was a score, because there was more girls at public school <laughs> than there was at Catholic school. So, you know, coming into seventh and eighth grade, you know, you're starting to look at like look at girls versus, you know, wanting to do studies. Uh-huh. But uh, I, was, I was never, I was never a, a bookworm, I'll tell you that. Um, yeah. But uh, I... God, I remember, you know, you talk about Catholic school and, um, you know, your listeners are probably a little younger and probably about your age. But uh, if they talk to their parents, they would know or if they've heard stories, uh, the horrors of Catholic school. Um, and we, we had a fourth grade. I remember uh, Sister Ida. I probably shouldn't name drop, huh? That's all She's right. probably long gone by now. <laughs> She's probably been dead for 100 years. But this this woman, she she was evil. She was a nun, and this woman would beat on you. I mean, she would slap you. She would hit you with a ruler. All those stories that people talked about nuns, I mean, she was old school. And we were, I mean, I'm not that old to where it was like my parents dealt with worse than that. She was just like one of the last of the old school people. And they actually made her retire after our year because she'd ripped a kid's shirt. She'd put a box on a girl's head. Uh, she slapped oh a kid. Uh, one of my uh one of my friends that I remember that was my friend, a uh, really good friend at the time, his dad had shaved his head into a mohawk for the last day of school and she was pulling on it, thought it was some costume. And I mean, till he cried. And I mean, this was stuff this lady did. And uh, I remember one of the girls got put in the closet because she asked to go to the restroom and she got tired of her asking. So she stuck her in the closet till she wet herself. And then she smacked her in the face for wetting herself. I mean, Sister, I don't play. No, she didn't. Oh, no, my she was God. Evil. She was an evil woman. And I asked her when she was pulling on my ear one day, and she was just, like, pulling on it really hard because I couldn't get my times tables right. And she was just being so mean. And I looked up at her, and I says, I thought you were a lady of God. Why would you be doing this to me? And then she just smacked me. And it was, like, horrible, man. I was just man. like, this is crazy. And, you know, a lot of us kids have complained to our parents, and I think they finally shipped her out to the old retirement center, man. And it's like, it's crazy, crazy business. But uh, we moved on. I mean, I, I moved on to uh, junior high. Uh, no, I mean, I, I just remember uh, 
junior high, it was a little rough. I was a little nerdy. I wasn't like uh, super suave like I am now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was, I was uh, a mama's boy, man. I was the baby of the family. Like I said, my mom was very coddling towards me and I didn't get to do things like my brothers. They got to go, you know, hang out with friends and stuff and, uh, Get into all sorts of foolishness. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they did and didn't, but um, it was more like mom wanted me always there at home. I mean, I got to go play with the neighbor kids, but, yeah. you know, they'd go on sleepovers. Played a lot of sports. I wasn't big into sports. Um, I did wrestle for a couple seasons in junior high, but nothing nothing too extreme. You know, I was still, I was kind of kind of a little sissy boy, you know, and big coddled by mom all the time, and she, you know, she always kept me under her wing, so I... <laughs> didn't really expand out until I got a little older, you yeah. know, and, uh, um, I used to get picked on by my brothers too, because they used to say, Oh, you're mama's boy, you know, and wait till mom leaves. I'm going to get you, you know, for telling on me. <laughs> you know, so, um, they're just jealous. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. We'll have to ask them, man. Yeah. That'll be another show. Yeah. Oh God. Can you imagine having all three of you in the same room for a podcast episode? <laughs> yeah. You better put the bleeper on that one. <laughs> oh man. So, um, you know, you, uh, so you mentioned your brothers, uh, and so, uh, you know, you, we talked about, uh, dad's episode and I sent that one to you so that you'd get the kind of feel for the show and, uh, kind of where I might take some stuff. So, um, when, uh, I listened to my dad's episode on the way here, uh, get a refresher of some of the things we talked about and stuff like that. So, uh, one of the things he mentioned is that you all shared a room. Uh, yeah, you shared a, you shared a space. Uh, you might not have had the world, but you had everything you needed, uh, kind of stuff. So uh, talk us through uh, now that we got some of the school stuff, uh, the um, family dynamic, and growing up uh, with your brothers being the being the youngest. Well, I'd say uh, you saying about the room. Yeah. Uh, look around this room we're sitting in right now. It's this is a. Uh, 10 by 10, I believe. We had a 10 by 12 room that three of us shared. Um, we had a two bedroom slab house, no basement, just a slab house, um, two bedrooms. And that was it. And that's what we grew up in our whole lives. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't know nothing more. Um, our beds were on each wall and there was three walls because the other wall was the, the door wall and, uh, and a closet, big old closet that, uh, my grandfather, uh, built a bunch of shelving for all our clothes. Um, some of us shared clothes, some of us didn't, you know, I mean, we had what, we had what we needed. Yeah. Um, by all means, we were not, uh, throwing gifts like kids today get. Um, right. I mean, then too, you got to realize we didn't have technology. I mean, my dad would hand us a rock and a stick and say, go have fun, boy. And we would find something to do with it. You right. Know? I mean, it, it you know, I mean, at different times. And uh, I, we were pretty tight. I would say growing up uh, as kids, uh, we hung out a lot. Back then, we played outside. We played, rode our bikes. We went to, you know, down in the trails and rode in the dirt and uh, played football. Uh, football was huge in our neighborhood. We would all get together and go door to door, knocking on everybody's door, saying, come on, let's, we're going to play football. And we'd go up to the school uh, that was across the street from the house, and we'd have a big football game. And there was times where we would play against one of the other streets. 10th Street would play against uh, 8th Street, you know, That's and we'd awesome. get those boys. And some of those were thuggish, you know, so it was always a rival, you know. And um, But it was always cool. I mean, we yeah. we had the neighbor kid, Corey, and then we had Clifford down the street. And this all our buddies, man, we went to school with, Lance, Aunt Leah, I mean, all these kids down on the other blocks. So, um, it was kind of cool. You know, I mean, my brothers and I were – we rode together – uh, our bikes and stuff until we got a little bit older. Cause again, remember I'm the baby and I was the one called by mom. I would be like, you're taking your brother. And then, you know, guys that are the youngest probably know. And the guys that are the oldest know, because they're like, Jesus, man, I got to take you again. And you know, I was always tagging along, but you know, they, they did for the most part. They, they did. I got to say for the most part, they did. Uh, Danny, maybe not so much when we got a little older. He didn't want you fooling with his ladies. You know, he was a little bit of a ladies' man, so he always, uh, hey, why don't you just stay here, you know, or just forgot to pick me up, you know, when he was driving and I wasn't. Oh, no. You know, so uh, Joe, Joe always, uh, Joe liked to have me around because he knew he could go do what he wanted if he took me with. 
but I just couldn't say anything what we really did. So so you got sworn to secrecy. Right. And as I got a little older, I realized, man, if I don't say nothing to mom, then I'm golden. I can go with you know my brothers all the time. I just got to keep my mouth shut. I got to yeah. quit being a little rat. Yeah. So, you know, you learn quickly. As play the system. Yeah. You got yeah, to learn to play the system. If you want to go somewhere, they're going to take you. You got to keep your mouth shut because you didn't really go to church. You went to shoot pool. You know, there's a lot of times we did that. And we... We had that gig going for a while, you know, three weeks in a row until Grandma didn't see us at church and ratted us out. Oh, no. <laughs> My mom found out, and she was hot. Yeah. So. One of the things Dad mentioned in his uh, podcast episode was um, was losing Grandpa McLean and uh, kind of the impact that that had on the family. Because you've just described to us the um, the close and yet... Uh, business-like relationship then <laughs> you started yeah. to have with uh, with your brother. So how did you see uh, kind of the, uh, um, you know, summarize kind of the uh, dynamic, the relationship dynamic with you and your brothers kind of while Grandpa McLean was still alive and then after his passing? Well, like we were talking, growing up younger, playing football with neighbor kids, as we got older into high school, um, you know, graduating high school right at that. I was the last one to graduate and um, right before dad died. Um, we all still lived at home. Uh, Joe had left for a bit. I think Dan had left for a bit and came back. Everybody, you know, those two had came back. Um, but we still were pretty close. I mean, through that time, we had our differences. I mean, it wasn't like we were all got along all the time. But the thing was, is when dad was there, dad was the glue that held the family together. If you had an issue, and I don't care if it was one of our girlfriends or, you know, had an issue with somebody, uh, dad was straightening it out. I mean, he didn't care. He had no filter. He would say, what the hell is your problem? You know, and then he would get the two together that didn't have, that had an issue and he would straighten it out right there. He, he wasn't dealing with that business. I mean, that's just how dad was. He, he didn't want us fighting, us boys being angry with each other. You want to fight? I'll give you something to fight about. You know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff, tough love that he gave us. Yeah. And he didn't like talking back or, you know, that type of stuff either, you know what I mean? But when we were fighting with each other, I mean, you better hope he wasn't drinking that day when he used to drink. You know, I mean, on a bad day like that and you were arguing or fighting, he might have you out there with boxing gloves. I mean, that's the kind of shit that he would do. But he was trying to prove a point. Your family. You mm -hmm. stay tight. And uh, we did while he was alive. And I think when he died, um, not having him there. Um, there's a missing part of the family that kept everything together as a whole. Mm. And slowly, slowly, as time went by, our issues that normally would be resolved from dad stepping in and helping us uh, get through it, you know, added another block on top of the wall and yeah. building a wall between, between us. Mm -hmm. And if it was, you know, now our wives, not our girlfriends or, you know, other family issues that were getting in the way, um, regardless of who it was, um, it caused a wall to be built. And once that wall was up, we all went our separate ways. I mean, cause like I said, up until dad died, we were all there at the house. We all talked and hung out and helped each other. And when dad died, I don't want to say our family died, but our family closeness definitely suffered huge impact. Oh, yeah. I mean, we no longer, I don't want to say completely weren't there for each other, um, but as time went on, that's what happened. Yeah. We all did our own things. Not everybody was agreeing on things that were going on. Feelings get hurt here and there, and um, I've been told by a lot of people that family is supposed to be forgiving. Uh, you're supposed to work things out, work issues out. Um, you know, I'm not perfect um, by all means. I've uh, try to make the amends that I could um, to people. I mean, I used to drink pretty heavy. You knew that. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I've learned through the program of Alcoholics Anonymous on you know trying to man up and and make my amends. And I've tried to do that as much as I could. But I've also been taught in that program is not to be a doormat. You know, not to play the game. Get out of the game. Step out of the game. Don't don't get into all the the drama. And there's a lot of drama. Yeah. A lot of drama in the family. And um, I just, I've seen a lot, um, and 
I've been involved in a lot. I mean, I've been the guy that's probably stirred up enough shit to piss a lot of people off. But, um, you know, at a certain time, you got to step back, you know, and uh, it, I guess it's just losing dad. Again, let's get back to I'm kind of getting off track here, but uh, losing him was a huge impact because we no longer we call each other and say, hey, listen, man, I'm sorry. Nobody wants to admit fault. Everybody wants to trudge on and act like, phew, hey, man, it wasn't me. You know, and dad wouldn't give a shit whose fault it was. Dad was the one that said, you guys are going to make this right. Let's let's get this straightened out. Mm-hmm. Without him there, I mean, we're talking, I think it's 28 years today uh, that we lost him mm-hmm. uh, abruptly. Um, he died in a car accident. Um, and it was, it was a hard day. Um, probably the worst day of my life. It's, but we talked about blessings on the job um, yeah. for work and stuff just a bit ago. I think the blessing that we had was my mom was at work that day. Um, she didn't work like her whole life. She had taken a job on and she was gone to work that day. And all three of us boys were together. I believe your dad had just got home from work not too uh, long after the police had showed up and Joe, Joe was there and we we're all three in our bedroom. Remember we shared a bedroom. Yeah. Um, and this is how I remember it is we were all three there, a knock at the door. It was the coroner and a police officer. And they asked if my dad lived there and we said, yeah, why, what's up? And they said that there was an accident. So right away, you know, my, I think Joe or Dan answered, I can't remember who answered the door, but uh, we all three came to the door and out of a wo- wait, uh, we woke up cause it was early in the morning and, uh, we were like, uh, you know, well, where's he at? We need to get a hold of my mom. And they said that he didn't make it, you know, and I'll tell you what, it was, uh, it was a kick in the pants. Um, I had just graduated high school two weeks before or two weeks after that happened. Um, my brothers, um, you know, that they were, I want to say Dan was probably 19. I was 17, uh, maybe 18, maybe Dan was 20. Joe was 21. Um, the hardest part was uh, Joe had to call my mom and tell her to come home. And she was like, why? And we just said, you need to come home. And my mom always knew my dad had, you know, might have heart issues or whatever. She was always worried about something happening. And I think she kind of had a feeling in that moment when Joe had to go and say, mom, dad's dead. He died in a car accident. And her reaction out in the yard, you won't forget it at all. It was rough, you know, and there's chaos going on, man. We just yeah. found out he died. Um, the neighbors were very tight net in this neighborhood. I mean, yeah. our neighbors to the left and the right of us, very close, and they seen this business happening. They're coming over, seeing what's going on. My mom's hysterical in the yard, and it just was. Uh, it was rough. It was really rough. Um, but having us all three there. I think was a huge blessing because we were there to comfort each other. Um, it, it, again, dad taught us that, you know, yeah. the closeness to be there for each other. And it was, uh, something that you don't forget. You grow up very fast. Yeah. Um, I think spiraling out of control, man. And I want to say, how I handled it was I didn't have a lot of friends. I'm not a type of person that has a, a ton of friends. I had one really good friend and him and I weren't on speaking terms where we our friendship was over and it was rough because I just graduated high school and we'd been friends from freshman year to um, our senior year. And right after graduation, there was some events that happened that uh, he decided not to talk to me anymore. And I, so I didn't have my buddy there. Um, hmm. But uh, I dealt with it turning to uh, doing a little partying. You know, I figure I could drown it out. Um, but I didn't. At the time, I wasn't old enough to drink, but it was easy to get the happy lettuce, man. And uh, I did a lot of pot smoking. And, uh, I mean, you know, nowadays everybody's like, oh, you know, it's going to be legal. You know, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. But when you use it to mask and hide from the, uh, the real world and the pain, yeah. um, it's not so fun. 
I mean, I drank too, and I was I was young. I mean, I I started drinking at an early age. I started yeah. drinking at like 15 years old, and anything that could mask the pain, you know, when you drink that early in age, you think, oh man, I felt good when I did that, and you continue to do it, and that's how I I dealt with it. I, I dealt with it with anger. I mean, I think my brothers did too. We all had our moments, and we talked about the closenesses, but then it started separating. It started, you know, we started growing apart because we would blame each other for stupid shit. We'd get in arguments and fights over dumb stuff. And a lot of it was, you know, we didn't know how to deal with it. I mean, we didn't have therapists, you know. Our right. family didn't have money to say, hey, you guys need to go see a therapist, man. Because we were young when that happened, you know. And it was rough. It was like, what the hell are we going to do? I mean, uh, I think you were just little. You were... Uh, I... Uh... I was born the next, the next year. It been Marcus. I'm sorry. Yeah, Marcus. It was, it was Marcus. Marcus was just two weeks old. Yeah. So, um, you know, having a baby, just graduating high school, college teetering because I, I had a maybe go to college kind of thing. Um, the schools were they had things set up for me in line to go, and I was like, I didn't want to go because I was not college material, and that was my out. Um, Told them I wasn't going to go, didn't want to, didn't want them to do it. And mm -hmm. they were there were so many people that, there were some counselors and teachers that really pushed to give me some scholarship money to go. And I had to, I turned it down. I never thought about it until, you know, you get older. You're like, damn, those people kind of worked their asses off to get that for me. But I turned it down. And I wanted to stay home. You know, yeah. I, I was, I just didn't want to go. But again, you know, I used my dad's death as an excuse to use drink, smoke dope, and not really give a shit for a while, you know, and it, you're talking, you know, spiraling out, drinking, carrying on, not caring about nothing, and, you know, having that one time where you're just like, I got to do something with my life, what am I going to do? I was working two jobs, and just doing that just to keep busy, you know, and throw a little money to mom to help her out a little bit with what I could. It wasn't a lot, but she had a lot on her plate. Oh yeah. She just lost her husband. You know, she didn't get a big payday like a lot of people do. I mean, there was nothing there to give her when he passed away. And, uh, yeah. so, you know, I, we moved on. I mean, after dad died, uh, not too long after, uh, um, I had to leave the nest, you know, and I was still, I was just 18, you know, and I was asked, uh, I had to find a place to live because mom could no longer support us. And, um, I had, a, I had a man up, I had to grow up quickly. And, uh, I had a lot of resentment for a long time. Um, maybe not so much with my dad. Um, I think more of my mom because, uh, I felt I was kind of thrown to the wolves and, uh, but it made me, the person I am today, um, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because I'm a hard worker. I work for everything I get. I mean, I don't ever stop. I love working. I, I enjoy providing for my family, mm -hmm. um, spoiling the shit out of them, giving them everything they want. But then again, it makes me closed. I'm a closed person because I feel like I'm a lone wolf. Like I'd rather do things on my own. Um, I'm not family oriented with my my family here at home, I am, mm -hmm. but my, my family, my brothers, my mom, I'm not close with no more. And it, it breaks my heart, but, um, you know, there's been some issues, which we'll do on another show, I think, mm -hmm. but, um, it's, it's, it's made me a close person. I, I, I felt I can love everybody from a distance. It's probably best because, um, I'm a very honest person, sometimes too honest and, uh, they call it in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous that I went to as uh, brutally honest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can't accept that. Sometimes they don't like that. And I don't have sometimes a nurturing way to tell you something. If I got to tell you something, mm -hmm. I want to get out there and tell you because I want to make it, you know, it's, sometimes it's better to peel that bandaid off and just go bam, right? To what just you rip want. it off. Yeah. Yeah, and some people can't, <laughs> some people are not able to take that, you know? Yeah. And in today's, you know, Today, I think, uh, with some of the issues that we have, um, I think uh, it's just not something you can just 
sit down and talk about for 10 minutes and be all good and fist bump and walk away. It's gone on too long, you know, and, um, it's going to take a while. It'll take a while. And, you know, and a lot of that, you know, we were talking about losing my dad. I mean, it's, that's what it stems from, you know, all the way back. There's things that go all the way back to way back when dad died. Um, and, you know, again, I said they built and built and built and that wall got built higher and higher. And eventually, you know, you're just going to walk away from it all, you yeah. know, and, and it's unfortunate. We yeah. have a great family. We've, we, we were very close at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe in time it could be fixed. Not, I don't think, uh, it's a complete loss, but, uh, we all have to be grown adults and step up and do some work, do some work. And it's everybody, not just one person. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, man, if dad was here, he'd give um, you something to fight about. Yeah, he would. He he would he would step in. He wouldn't give a shit how old you were. You want me to slap shit out of you, boy? You know what's your problem? Yeah. And uh, he'd make it right. Yeah. Thinking back to uh, how you grew up uh, and the things that have happened since, how do you think uh, your experience growing up has impacted how you raise your own kids? <laughs> well, I would say the tough love. Uh, my dad wasn't a very huggy, um, cuddle, cuddle with you type of guy. Um, my mom was. My mom, you know, you were a snuggle bug. She'd give you hugs mm-hmm. and kisses all day long. And my mom, uh, when I was a child, when I was little, I had super mom. I, um, I do got to brag her up there. Um, growing up, mom was always doing stuff, PTA, all that stuff at school and doing cool stuff, you know. And um, I picked up some of that stuff from mom. She don't realize, um, she always said she's not crafty, but man, all these crafts I make for my, my kids when they were in school, um, were stuff my mom used to do for us at our schools, you know, make paper mache pumpkins and fill them with candy and bring them to school. I started doing that for my kids. My mom did that. She'd take treats to school. Um, back then you could bring all kinds of cool trees. Nowadays you got to bring freaking grapes. You know? Yeah. You got, got to get everything background checked. And, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, mom used to bring some cool stuff. So I picked that up for mom, you know, yeah. and I brought that into my family and my kids loved it. Yeah. They loved it. And, uh, um, getting from dad, um, and I, I do got to say the coddling in that with my kids, I had a little bit more than what my dad did, mm-hmm. but I still was like, uh, they fall down and get scuffed up, get up, you're fine, you know, yeah. wipe it off, yeah. you know, uh, that's the kind of stuff, you know, um, I still showed a little bit more affection. Dad was never would hardly ever give you a hug and a, you know, a little kiss on the head and say, you know, Hey, I love you. Didn't get that, but I did. I made sure I did because when my dad said it, it filled my heart, man. I was like, Oh man, you know, cause you always want approval. especially from your dad. Yeah. Um, Mom gave it to us all the time. So you take that for granted. You know, I mean, you're like, oh, wow. You know, mom's always saying it. But when dad said it, it was meant something big and not taking nothing from mom. But, you know, he never said it. Mm -hmm. So bringing up my kids, I wanted them to know I love them. So I wasn't afraid to hug and kiss them. But, you know, kids get certain age. They're like, get off me. You know, (laughs) don't touch me. Right. And, uh, you know, that that hurts. You know, I was I remember Julia. um, when she became a young lady, uh, I was so heartbroken because I was the evil dad and it, she just didn't want nothing to do with me no more. And she was my snuggle bug. She'd sit on the couch with me and just snuggle with me all the time. We'd watch TV. And then, you know, when she became a young lady, it was like, go away, get away from me, you know. And I was like heartbroken and my wife's <laughs> laughing at me going, now I finally get some time with my daughter because, you know, now they connected a little better because right. they're both women now. So right. I remember that. But uh, with, with dad, the tough love, I, I do got to say... I was a hard ass on my kids. Um, I didn't play. Um, I was big on being young parents. uh, My wife and I, we were 18 when we had our first, you know, with Marcus. And then Mm -hmm. uh, we had Julia six years later and Michael six years later. We kind of planned those two out that that way. But um, being young parents, we were always worried that people were going to talk, you know, like, oh, these young parents, they let their kids do anything. Because you would see that. Adults always would talk... smack to us like talk us down and stuff and like you go places and you know i remember being in the grocery store one time and this lady thought we were going to use a debit or a 
uh, like welfare money to pay for our groceries. And we, you know, we both had jobs. We just look young. We were young, you right. know, but, um, but, you know, it being going to like a gas station or, um, a restaurant, uh, I was more of a sucker to buy the kids crap, like candy and shit like that. Um, mom wasn't, my wife was like, hell no, I told you nothing. You're not getting nothing. Don't ask me for nothing. Me, I'd be like, all right, here, take this. But when it came to going to your house, if I'm coming to visit you, those kids knew you're not going to act like a jackass and run around through this house crazy. This is not our home. Um, you know, they our kids stood right next to us. They started fooling around. We'd be like, hey, stop. And they'd be like, whoop, you know, because they knew. Yeah. They, they just knew how to act. And that's where I got that from my dad. My dad was like that. We, you didn't play. Once dad said something, it was, you did it. Yeah. If not, he was up and you would hear, he always wore his keys on a little hook and he'd tell you something. And if you didn't listen, you'd hear those keys jingling and you running, you better run because you hear the keys jingling. We shared a room. So, yeah. you know, we'd be horsing around in a room, throwing socks and stuff at each other when we we're supposed to be in, going to bed when we were kids. And you, dad's chair was just right across our room. You'd hear those keys jingling. You knew you were dead. It's like, Oh shit. And it was, it was Smackdown time. So, yeah. but, uh, I would say, I got a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. some of it you love, some of it you're like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, we we all have that with our parents. You know, we want to say we're our own person, but you know, yeah. we we pick a lot of our parents. Absolutely. Um, people don't realize that, and uh, you know, when you if you you turn out decent and you're not in jail and in prison, your parents did a good job. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I can't complain. My kids have done pretty well for themselves. Um, yeah. And. Uh, you know, and I, I didn't do things perfect, man. I screwed up a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of things. My relationship with my oldest son is so much better today than it was 10 years ago. I mean, I think at one point he hated me. Um, I was a jerk and, you know, it's just being the man of the house and having another young man in the house. We bumped a little heads. And I remember my dad always saying, anytime you feel like taking me on, boy. We can go. He goes, you might beat me. I might beat you. He goes, bottom line is, is you're man enough to fight me. You're man enough to hit that door, be on your own. You know, and I remember him always telling us all that, you know, not that he was provoking a fight, but he was just letting us know whenever you feel like manning up, you're man enough to be on your own. Yeah. I'm not afraid to take it, take some shots with you, but, um, no, but, uh, you know, him and I bumped heads. And I think through the years, him being on his own, he finally realized, you know, Damn, Dad, you're not such a jerk. So we've had some good talks and yeah. um, some good moments, some good moments. Yeah. Uh, so, so some healing, I guess you'd say, yeah, you know, from awesome. some simple stuff that you just can't, you know, you let go and let go and let it fester. Yeah. I suggest not doing that, folks. Yeah. Uh, so uh, wrapping up, the last uh, last couple of questions I'll ask you, uh, and then I'll pack it up. Uh if you had to, uh, so uh, we're almost at a full hour here. Uh, so summarizing some of our conversation and maybe even things that you didn't uh, get to, um, what for you are the kind of, um, would you say are the, the most impactful moments that have led you to where you're at right now? Impactful moments. I do got to say where I'm at now is a little bit of, uh, hard work, disappointment. I guess you can put in there with, uh, growing up quickly. Mm -hmm. It took me a lot of years, Jake, to realize what I had right in front of me. Cause I was always trying to reach out and get something else. And, uh, God, I want to just say, I don't know, man. It's 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 multiple things. We could stay another hour talking about it, but with my dad dying so early in age, um, the whole thing we talked about with that, the family kind of separating, um, all that, um, strive me to work harder uh, to get where I'm at. I wanted to be a good person. You know, I didn't want to be a slug. I, um, I spent a lot of time depressed about losing my dad early using as an excuse a crutch and it didn't get me nowhere man mm -hmm. i mean for a long time um in my alcoholism my drinking uh days um 
I wanted something so bad to happen to almost like the shoe, the other, the, the other shoe to drop. Like, God, maybe somebody will feel sorry for me. I was looking for that. Feel sorry for me. Come on, man. There's a lot of people like that, that struggle through life because they think they're owed something. Nobody owes you nothing. You need to, you owe yourself to pick up where the pieces have fallen, put it back together and move forward. And with all that stuff that happened in my life, um, I'm where I'm at because I stayed strong. Not always. I was a very weak man. I was broken. I mean, 13 years ago, I, I put down the bottle. Um, had an awakening one day after I got drunk and I was with Mark or Michael John, the youngest. And luckily, my mom stopped by that day. I was so drunk, I don't remember half the night. And thinking the whole time, everybody owes me, man. This whole world owes me. I got my dad died. This happened. I can't have this. I ain't got no money. And wah, wah, wah. That's how I lived. And it was hurting. It was killing me inside. And when I got clarity and I put the bottle down, I quit drinking. It took me some time to look at myself. And that's the hardest part, man is looking in the mirror and seeing the reflection that's looking at you and there's the problem right there. And accepting that, man, was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. That I was my biggest problem. I needed to step back and listen to somebody to help me get over this hump. And once I did, life became so much easier, so much sweeter. Mm -hmm. I enjoy getting up in the morning. I enjoy my family. I says, you know, I mean, I, I used to cringe to the fact that I had to do stuff with my wife or my kids when I was drinking because it was in, interfering with my drink time. And now it's it's the benefits, man, of, you know, when I put it down now to see my granddaughter grow up, you know, my kids, they like me, you know, I mean, it's not like they're running the other way. And there's a lot of families that live that way. Yeah. And they did at one time. But, you know... All that stuff, man, put me where I'm at today. I don't believe any of that. I don't think any of that was put in my way. It was put in my way, I should say, for a reason. And it was to build me to what I am today. If you're willing to do work and just continue to dig, man, you'll get through it. It may not seem like it because I'm telling you what, I lost my dad, you know, my family kind of separated the closest that we used to have. We lost that, um, you know, the job opportunities you wanted weren't there. You know, there's a lot of things I didn't get. And I use that as a crutch, man. And, you know, nobody felt sorry for me. There was nobody there to pat me on the back going, Oh, Mike, you know, Hey buddy, it'll be okay. You know, and that's what you want. And, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to feel sorry for me and give me that break. And, you got to work hard for it. You got to get it yourself. And I think youth today don't see that. You know, they, they think right away, mom and dad have bailed me out of all my problems, man. And all through life. But when you get out there in the real world, mom and dad can't call your boss up and say, Hey, give Jimmy another chance, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, God, Jake, that's a hell of a question because I'm just telling you, I'm just, it's hard to explain it all in a little bit of time because I know we're honestly I, here, but honestly, I think that that was uh, uh, you summed up the last question I would have asked you, uh, which is uh, if you had to uh, give somebody uh, some advice about what to do, uh, what would you say? Uh, and you answered it right there. And um, I don't know. I won't get too emotional, but. Uh, uh, I miss you. Uh, and so I'm glad that we did this, uh, because, uh, if we hadn't, I would have gone the rest of my life, not knowing that anything about that for you. Uh, and so in closing, thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me, Jake. I was a little nervous at first and think, oh man, I want to ramble on these people. We're gonna yeah. think, Who the hell is this cat that you got on your show? We're going to give you the big thumbs down, Jake. Yeah. No, but it was, it was a good time. I appreciate you asking me to be on it. Yeah. And listeners, thank you for listening to the show. Remember that you can follow all of my speaking and coaching adventures 
by visiting my website at www.jakespeaks.org. You can follow me on social media, Twitter, MC Leadership Guy, Instagram, MC underscore Leadership Guy. And, uh, you know, look out for all of the other fun and exciting adventures for the podcast coming up soon. Until next time, take care.